Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Emily, and I'm excited to be with you today. Um, if you wouldn't mind pulling this card right here out of your program. Uh, this is what we call a Connect card, and um, we'd love for you to fill this out. This is just a way for us to connect with you and get to know you a little bit better. And then you can uh, hang on to that until the end of the celebration today. Well, um, you probably know that there's a big holiday coming up in just a couple weeks. Anybody know what it is? Mother's Day, yeah. So uh, if you haven't bought a Mother's Day gift yet, don't say I didn't warn you. Go out and do that. Um, Well, yeah, Mother's Day is coming up. And this is kind of a special Mother's Day for me um, because not only do I have a three-year-old daughter at home uh, named Autumn, But if you can't tell, I'm also uh, about six months pregnant, Um, so I'm feeling feeling very motherly, definitely feeling my motherhood right now. So so Mother's Day is kind of a big deal for me this year. Um, And, you know, I'm I'm finding with this this pregnancy, since this is my second pregnancy, um, that it's a lot different than the first one was in, in many ways. And uh, I saw this video the other day that I thought just described it perfectly. And so I'd like for you to, to be able to check that out. Well, now she's like 14.8 inches, 2 pounds, and 4.5 ounces. And she's the size of a Chinese cabbage. Um, medium size? Um, I, hold on, I think I have an app that, that tells me. Um, oh, I have to re-download it. All day. I've tried Prego Pops and ginger root and ginger tea and ginger ale and ginger... Oh, I feel like crap, but I mean, I gotta keep the other ones alive, so this works. Um, the crib converts into 12 different styles, so um, she can still be sleeping in it as an adult. We're running out of space upstairs, so I think we're just gonna put her in the pack and play. Down here, she can just sleep down here. Absolutely no lunch meats. No feta cheeses, no sprouts, absolutely no caffeine. I mean, I gotta have it to survive. Oh, well, I can still fit into most of my regular clothes still. Pregnant. Um, In fact, she can actually detect light and dark through her optic nerve. So um, we like to shine a flashlight on my belly every day so that um, she's more prepared, you know, for when she comes out into the real. You know, I've had a lot of gas, um, acid reflux, you know, just all that stuff. Oh, oh, you mean the baby? What's going on with the baby? Oh, um, she's growing. Oh, I can't wait. It's in 10 days and four hours. Um, with Dr. White. She's fantastic. I did a full background check on her. She has delivered over 8,432 babies. Oh, crap. Was that this morning? Oh. Excuse me, I'm sorry. What were you saying? Give me one second. Oh, absolutely. You don't want to go unprepared for something like that. First, labor in the bed for a little while, then we'll move to the bathtub. Um, all natural. Specifically requested the purple yoga ball with the, the little bumps on it. Give me all the drugs. Oh, yes. I've been documenting everything in my baby pregnancy journey book. Um, we have an ultrasound picture. This is a projected picture of what she may look like based on my husband's genes and my genes. I'm sorry, what was the question? Um, I, I did with my first, um, but yeah, I, no. 
No, I, I, I'm not doing anything. I like to stay very organized. So um, we've color coded everything. Um, we have all the blankets in one area. Clothes-wise, yeah, she can just she can just wear her clothes. That that'll work. They're a little stained, but you know, who cares? Nobody notices. Oh, it's the most wonderful thing in the world. Oh, she just kicked me. She heard me. You heard me, didn't she? Oh, please stop kicking. I just can't wait for her to get here. Honestly. I can't wait for her to get here. Now that video hits a little too close to home right now. And you know, I am I am so incredibly grateful to be carrying this child, but if I'm gonna be completely honest, pregnancy is really no picnic. You know, I mean, between the morning sickness and the leg cramps and the back aches and, uh, and the headaches and then, you know, this little thing called childbirth at the end of it, I mean, it's, it's rough. Like, pregnancy is hard. Um, and it makes you think, like, why, why did we put ourselves through this? I mean, my husband and I, we did this on purpose. Like, why did we do this? Why do we women make ourselves suffer? But I think the reason is because we, we hope that we're going to have this baby that we'll love and that we hope is going to love us back. Right? And it's kind of like the same thing with dating. I mean, dating can be so crazy, right? I mean, how many of you have ever been on a really, really bad date? I mean, you know, raise your hand, okay. Anybody with, like, you've been on a really bad date with the person sitting next to you today? (laughs) Okay. I mean, dates can just be weird and awkward, and then, you know, there's, like, blind dates, and then just, just awful, terrible dates, and it's like, why do we go through this whole dating thing? It's so weird. But I think it's because we want... We want love. We hope we're going to find this person that we'll love and they're going to love us back. And, and whether you're married, single, kids, no kids, you know, divorced, widowed, whatever, if we're truly honest, I think the thing that we all are really looking for is love. And so what is this mysterious, magical thing called love? And how do we get uh, love in our lives? Well, I think if we want to know what love really is, we have to go to the love expert, right? So who's the love expert? Well, it's, it's not my husband, even though he might try to convince you otherwise. Um, no, the love expert is, is God. It's the one who created love itself. Um, in fact, in, uh, in the Bible, it says in 1 John uh, 4.8 that God is love. That he cannot, he, God and love cannot be separated. That's the very essence, the nature of who he is. So he knows about love. And so today when we talk about love, we're going to look at the, the words of God in the Bible. And um, we're, going to, we're going to see what God has to say um, about love. And maybe you're here today and you're single. And maybe people have told you, oh, until you get married, until you have kids, you know, you'll never really understand what love really is. But that, that is completely a lie. Because we are going to look today um, at two men who, interestingly enough, were bachelors. Um, but they had a very deep, true understanding of God. And of love, and we're going to see what they have to say about love. And so those two men are Jesus and Paul. And uh, Paul, if you don't know who that is, he was a follower of Jesus, a close follower, and he wrote more than half of the New Testament of the Bible that we have today. And so we're going to look at their two perspectives um, on, on this idea of love. And I think that what you're going to find um, as we look at what they say about love is that in many ways what they, what they have to teach us is completely opposite of what our society teaches about love. Because we live in a society that says that love takes. 
that says that, um, you know, if you're dating someone, you should find someone that, that meets your needs, that fulfills you, that, that brings something into the relationship and makes you happy, right? Or um, if you have a friendship and you're not really getting anything out of it, you know, find somebody else to be friends with. Or if you go to a church and you're not really getting anything out of it, you're not really getting fed, just leave that church and go to another church. Like, there, there's this idea that, that love takes, that it's all about you. But Jesus... Like so many other issues in this life, he takes that idea and he just flips it upside down. And he says, no, love doesn't take. Love gives. And that's, what, that's your first fill-in today, and that's what God has to say about love, is that love gives. And you know, that might seem um, kind of counterintuitive. You know, like, how, could, how can we possibly get love if we're always giving it away? You know, if we're always pouring out love, how are we supposed to get it? And I think Jesus has an answer for that, too, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, but first, I want to talk about what does Paul, um, this bachelor guy in the Bible, what does he have to tell us about love? So we're going to look at a passage um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which uh, you may have heard that called the love chapter before. And if you've been to any weddings recently, you've probably heard this verse, these couple of verses quoted. Um, because it's often read when people are, you know, making that commitment to each other. But when Paul wrote this, he wasn't writing to a newlywed couple. Uh, he was actually writing to a church that he helped to start. And this church that he was writing to was in a region called Corinth. And um, Corinth was not a Christian area by any means. It was like um, Las Vegas on steroids. I mean, any kind of evil, any kind of sin you can imagine, it was there. And and this was a society where truly love takes. If you want love, you go steal it from somebody or buy it or pay for it or whatever you need to do to get what you think is love, that's what you do. And so Paul wanted his church to be different. They, he wanted them to have a godly perspective of love and, and be different than society. And so he wrote this to them to encourage them, this is how you love people. And so he starts out in verse 4 um, in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful, or proud, or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. And I think if Paul could, could sum up that whole passage in just one phrase, it would be this. Love is selfless. Isn't that, you can write that down in your program if you want. That's your next fill-in. Love is selfless. Love says... Instead of thinking about me and what I want and my needs and, and what the other person is not doing that I need, love says, I'm going to focus my thoughts on that other person, and I'm going to put their needs before my own. Now, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm pretty good at being selfless. You know, I'm, I'm usually pretty good at putting other people's needs before my own, you know, unless I'm hungry or uh, tired or feeling sick, or stressed, or overscheduled, or distracted, right? In those times, it's hard to be selfless. Um, I mentioned earlier that I'm pregnant, and um, to tell you the truth, most of the time, I usually feel either sick, or tired, or both. And um, so it's hard. It's hard to, to be selfless. And so maybe, you know, I have a long day at work, and I come home, and all I really want to do is just take a nap on the couch, and my three-year-old daughter is there, and she wants to play Barbie with me. And that time, it's, it's really hard to put her needs before my own. You know, or maybe I had a real long night, and, 
and my daughter was up at night, and so the next day I'm just so excited to, to go to bed early, and I climb into bed, and I lay my head on the pillow, and I get a call from a friend, and she wants to talk, and she's going through a rough time. And those times it's hard to put her needs before my own, right? It's, it's hard to be selfless. So what about you? Maybe there's, there's circumstances or, or feelings where you want to be the center of your universe. It's hard for you to put other people's needs before your own. Sometimes maybe it's easy for you, but then there's other times it's very difficult. But I can usually be selfless most of the time, unless uh, I feel like I've been treated unfairly, or I'm not getting what I deserve, or maybe someone has hurt me, or, um, or maybe feel like I'm not as good as they are. Times like that, I want to demand my rights. You know, I want to have my way. I want justice. I want to make sure I get credit and that my needs are met. But Jesus says, no, that's not what love is. That's not what, what love is, Emily. Um, and, and there's this passage in Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus is talking to his disciples, his friends. And he's telling them how to treat each other and how to treat the rest of the world. And um, in verse 39, he says this. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Now, just let me make a quick aside. This is, not, this is a metaphor. He's not talking about physical abuse. He's not saying, you know, if someone is, is physically hurting you, you should let them do it again. No, you need to get away from that person. Um, but what he's saying here is if when someone does something to you that feels like a slap in the face, when they, you know, embarrass you and damage your ego, or, you know, maybe there's some people gossiping about you behind your back, and you just feel like, man, it's just a slap in the face, and you want to take it in your own hands, and, and you want to get revenge on that person. Um, Jesus says, remember, that love gives. Right? That love is selfless. So when is it hard for you to be selfless? Maybe uh, it's when that coworker who's like always taking credit for everything, now all of a sudden they want your help. Or maybe that friend who just complains all the time, now she wants to go to dinner and you really don't want to do that. Um, or maybe it's something deeper. Maybe you have a family member that's really wounded you. And now they, they want prayer. They, they're asking you for prayer for this mess that they got themselves in, right? And it's, it's hard in those times to be selfless. It, uh, it reminds me of this, this quote by um, a pastor. His name's Rick Warren. And he was talking about humility. But humility and selflessness are very, very close. They go hand in hand. And he said that um, humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. But that's hard to do because we're kind of our favorite subject. You know, we like to think about ourselves. We like to put ourselves first. But here's the thing. Selflessness is not something that you have to do on your own. And the more that we spend time with God, the more that we read his words and we get in his presence and we're with him, the more that he can show you, he can take care of your needs. He can take care of your wants and your desires and all of these things. And then your mind becomes free that you can focus on other people. And you can start thinking about what they need. And, and it might seem backwards, but that will actually make you happier. Because all of a sudden, your problems get smaller when you see that there's other people that are hurting. And you see that you're not alone, that other people are going through stuff too. And then when you actually take the next step and you help those people and encourage those people, you feel the benefit of it too. Because you're encouraging yourself at the same time. But when the opposite is true, when you're, when you're all about yourself and your problems and your needs and you're just looking you know, gazing at your navel, and you're just focused on yourself. That is a recipe for disappointment and for depression. 
and that's what you're going to end up feeling. But when you focus on the needs of others, you get to experience God working through you and helping somebody else, and that's like the greatest source of joy that you can experience is when you're reaching out to other people. So God teaches us that love is selfless. So what else does he have to teach us about love? Um, well, I, to answer that question, I want to look back at Matthew chapter 5 again when Jesus was you know, talking to his friends, telling them about relationships. And in verse 40, he said this, If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. So what's Jesus saying here? If somebody takes your shirt, give them your coat too. He's saying love is sacrificial. And you can write that down if you want. That's your next fill-in. Love is sacrificial. And you know, one of the things that Jesus understood more than anybody else, and he lived out every single day, is that love requires sacrifice. That sometimes love means we have to give something up for something else. Sometimes there's a loss involved. Maybe um, we give up our, our money or our time or our possessions or, or our, our, our pride or our plans or our success. Um, it could be anything um, that we might sacrifice for love. And um, one of the best examples that I can think of of this idea of sacrificial love um, is my friend Melissa. And um, Melissa is, uh, she's in my small group. There's a picture of her. And um, she, back in 2011, she fell in love with this guy, Brad, and uh, they decided to get married. But um, at the time, he had a brother who was physically disabled um, and also a mother who was very ill. And they both were dependent on a ventilator, and so they weren't able to live by themselves. So um, Melissa and Brad, they talked about it, and they decided that they were going to make their newlywed home with his brother and, uh, and his mother. And uh, Melissa knew that this was going to involve some sacrifice. Um, but she also, she loved her husband. She loved her brother-in-law, her mother-in-law. Um, and, and she knew that that's what love required. And so um, now Melissa, she, uh, she shops for them. Um, she cooks for them. She gives them their medication, takes them to the doctor, um, all these different things. And in, in seven years, as a married couple, they've never lived alone. They've always um, lived with their in-laws and, and kind of helped them through that. Well, um, a couple of years ago, my friend Melissa was sitting right here where you are in church. And that day at church, there was a lady that um, was up on the stage, and she was being interviewed. And she was with an organization called Safe Families. And what Safe Families is, is if there's a, a family who's just, like, struggling to take care of the kids, you know, they haven't been removed from the home or anything, but they just need some support, they, they kind of need a break, then they um, take the children and place them with one of these safe families um, so they can kind of get back on their feet. And so um, Melissa and Brad, they heard that, and they're like, you know what, we're, we're going to do this. We're going to take on this challenge. And so they took on um, two handsome little boys. One was an infant, and one was a three-year-old. And then um, a little bit later, they ended up having a baby brother, and so when he was just two, two days old, they took him in as well. So uh, fast forward um, several months, and um, they ended up having the two youngest boys in their home, and they ended up becoming foster parents and, and have partial uh, custody of these boys, and, and they do today. And um, so now, on top of taking care of her brother-in-law and her mother-in-law and giving the medications and cooking and cleaning and all these different things, now she's changing diapers and giving formula and taking them to their visits 
and all these different things. Um, and, and so um, I thought it was funny. One night in small group, we were just kind of talking, and she said to me, you know, Emily, um, I was thinking about, like, the square footage of our house, and we could actually have six kids in our house, like, if we want to take in some more. And uh, I didn't say this out loud, but in my mind, I was like, what's wrong with you? Like, you're crazy. <laughs> but she's not crazy. She, she gets it. She gets that love requires sacrifice. Now, that doesn't mean she doesn't have hard days and long nights and days she wants to give up and she thinks she's just failing at everything. She has those days, but she also has had some incredible moments with these boys. I remember um, a few months ago, she had a birthday party for the oldest one and got to celebrate him turning two and, and see him you know, blow out his candles and get all of his presents and things like that. And then um, not that long ago, she got to watch the youngest boy take his very first steps. Like, how awesome is that? You know, and she's provided a way um, that those two boys can be together and love each other and care for each other in the same home, which may not have happened otherwise. And I know that if you asked her, she would tell you she would not trade those moments for the world. She could have missed that, right? She could have missed those moments. And, you know, it makes me think, what, what can we be missing out on because we're not willing to sacrifice for love? What are those, those beautiful, incredible moments that we could be missing? So I know what some of you are thinking right now, because I'm thinking this too. Um, that just sounds so draining, right? I mean, to be sacrificing for the people that we love, and I already feel drained. I already feel empty. I don't feel like I have anything left to give. I mean, why would God ask me to give more? Right? But I think sometimes we kind of get our thinking backwards when it comes to this idea of sacrifice. And so I want to show you a little illustration about love. Um, and it involves water. So my husband said I wasn't allowed to do it up here because I'd like electrocute myself or something. So you're just going to have to watch it on video. So imagine that you are this glass and love is like water. And you're about maybe half full or half empty, however you want to look at it, because somewhere along the line, someone poured into you, maybe a pastor or a friend, maybe your parents. And so you go around trying to pour love into other people. So maybe you pour love into your spouse and maybe you pour love into your kids and uh, maybe you pour some love into your friends and then some love into your neighbors, but eventually you realize that you're empty and you have nothing left to give. And so you go to the people around you and you try to get them to, to fill you up and to pour into you, but eventually they run out and they're empty too. And pretty soon you just feel drained and empty and like you don't have anything to give. And maybe you feel like sometimes people are just sucking the life out of you, or maybe people have told you that you kind of suck the life out of them. And so you're kind of stuck and you feel empty and you don't find any meaning in your relationships. But that's not the way that God designed it to be. God is like this picture. Actually, he's more like a faucet because he never runs out. His love never runs dry. There's always enough. And if you take the time to spend with God and you allow him to fill you up, then he can pour into you to the point that you're overflowing with his love. So much so that you're able to pour out 
into the people around you with the love that is overflowing. And pretty soon you'll find that you have enough love to pour out not only to the people that you like, but even the people that you don't really care for, even people you might consider your enemies. But yet you still have plenty of love to fill you, and God can continue to fill you up. And so when you find people that are coming to you and they're trying to suck the life out of you and they're looking for love, you can point them to the source of that love and allow him to fill them up. So there's, a, there's this beautiful picture of this idea of God filling us up with his love in um, John chapter 4. And uh, in John chapter 4, Jesus is walking through this area called Samaria. And he sees this woman sitting at a well. Um, which is where they got their water back then. And so he came and sat down with this woman. He never met her before, but because he was Jesus, he knew that she was, she was empty and, and, and hurting, and he could tell that. And so he told this woman, if, if, you, if you trust in me, I can give you water that is never going to dry out, and you're never going to have to be thirsty again. It'll, it'll continue to fill you. And um, he meant his, his love, the, his spirit that he would pour into her. Um, and so he said in verse 14, But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. So he told this woman that, and he thought she meant, or she thought he meant like actual water that she'd be able to drink, and it was like magical and would just never run out. Um, and so she said, Yeah, give me this water. I'll never have to come to the well again. I, I'd love to have that. And he said, Okay. Sure, go get your husband and, and bring him back here, and I'll give you some of this water. And she kind of looked down, and um, she said, well, I don't have a husband. And Jesus knew that she didn't have a husband. Um, he knew that she had actually had five husbands and had been divorced from all of them, and that the man that she was living with now was not her husband. And um, he knew, because um, he knew her heart, that she had gone from man to man to man to man trying to find someone that would fill her and yet she still felt empty. And so he explained to her, now, I'm not talking about actual water. I'm talking about the love and the life that I can give you. And that if you believe in me and who I am, and, and you have a relationship with me that I can fill you, and you'll never be empty again, you'll be full. And so when he explained that to her, she instantly she believed. And the first thing that she did when she believed and let his love pour into her is she, is she went back to her village, and she started pouring out that love on everybody she met. And saying, hey, I, I met this Jesus, and, and you need to come see him. He knew everything about me, and he still loved me. And, and, and come with me to go see him. And so she just poured out this love because now she was fulfilled, and she wasn't empty um, anymore. And so for us, when, when we have this well of God's spirit, this well of God's love inside of us, we always have something to give. We always have something to sacrifice for the ones that we love. But we have to take the time to let God fill us up. And I think that you'll find that the more that you're pouring out love, the more that you feel happy and fulfilled, um, and, and it, it builds you up. But there's, with sacrifice, there's this, um, there's this misconception that um, we're losing something, but we're not gaining anything, and that's just not true. And w one of the ways that I've really come to kind of learn this and come to grips with this lately is um, in our small group, uh, we've been doing a study on Christians in the country of Iraq, and specifically in this town called um, Mosul. And what happened um, in that town is that Islamic extremists came in 
um, part of ISIS, and um, they, their intent and what they did was to rid this city completely of Christians. So some of them they drove out, some of them they killed. And um, a lot of these, these Christians, they, they were businessmen, they were professionals, um, and so they lost everything. I mean, they lost their, their homes and their businesses and, and, and everything they had and their families, and some of them even lost their lives. And, um, and they were giving so much up. But, but they explained um, in this video, they said that there's a difference between loss and sacrifice. And that, you know, we experience loss when, when something's taking away, away from us. But sacrifice is when we give something up, but we get something that's even better. And so I want you to hear a story from one of these Christians from Mosul. Um, his name is Aram. And he um, felt called to help with a, a house church that was for refugees in Iraq. And so he was leading this church for several years. And um, ISIS found out about it. And they went straight to his family and attacked um, his family. Um, but I want you to hear him kind of talk about um, the sacrifices that he made and what he gained in return. Pastors and Christian leaders are particularly targeted by ISIS. One person I met was this amazing man named Aram working among the refugees there in Erbil. My name is Aram. I'm originally from Iran, from Kurdistan, Sina. And since 2003, I'm living as a refugee in Kurdistan, Iraq. The reason that because we converted to Christianity and because of our activities that we had over there and the kind of house church that we were doing uh, in Iran, so the intelligence find out about us and then we had to leave the uh, country. So illegally through the border, we came to Kurdistan after all. Then when the intelligence in Iraq, they find out about us that we are doing also continue on our activities. So they, uh, they took my father to the jail in Iran. And then they tortured him for a week. So when they released him after four or five days, he passed away. So to feeling this guilt, he stayed with me for a long time. What, what my family are thinking about me, all this has happened to them, and they are facing a difficulties because of me. I was really mad on myself. I didn't know that, like, I should continue on my activities and doing evangelize, going on missions or not. Then one day, at the, it was noon time, that I fall asleep. Then I saw that there was uh, Jesus came to me. He just appeared to me and told me that it's right that you lost your earthly father, but right now you have me, so you can call me your father, your father in heaven. So he said, that, don't worry, wherever you go, I will take care of you and even your family. So he made this, this great sacrifice and he lost his earthly father, but, but Jesus showed him that he would be his father and that he would take care of him and be with him wherever he went. And we heard so many stories like that of these Christians in Mosul who made great sacrifices, but they were smiling and they had joy on their faces and they would tell you about how they, they gained this deeper faith and they gained this great relationship with God and, um, and that it was worth it. It was worth those things that they were giving up. And even more importantly, they knew what was waiting for them after death. They knew that eternity in heaven um, was going to just be far outweigh anything that they were going to sacrifice in that, on this earth. 
And that, that challenged me. I mean, that convicted me. I was like, wow, what, what, what could I be willing to give up and sacrifice, and what could I gain um, if I did that? And, you know, I think about Jesus, and he made the greatest sacrifice that anyone has ever made, right? He gave up his life. But why? Why did he do that? Did he do it because he enjoyed suffering? You know, did he do it because he hated his life and, and was just done and didn't want to live anymore? No. He went to that cross. He sacrificed because he knew he was going to gain something greater. And that was you. Right? The one thing that he wanted more than anything else in this world was you. But he knew that loving you was going to cost him. It was going to cost him a lot, but it was worth it to him. And it, that is what allowed him to make that sacrifice. And Jesus is, um, his closest earthly friend, his name is John, um, he, he wrote about Jesus' sacrifice, and he said it this way in um, 1 John 3.16. He said, We know what real love is, because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and our sisters. So my question for you is, what is love requiring of you? What sacrifice is it requiring of you? And a more important question is, what are you going to gain that's even better? So maybe, maybe love is requiring you to sacrifice a job so that you can gain more time with your kids. Or maybe it's, it's requiring you to sacrifice your favorite TV show so that you can gain um, more time with your husband or your wife. Or um, maybe love is requiring you to sacrifice sleep on a Saturday morning so you can go to a soup kitchen and have the privilege of, of, of sharing food with somebody that may not have it. Or maybe it's requiring you to give up your comfort, sacrifice your comfort, and go on a mission trip and have the joy of, of leading somebody to Christ for the first time. But whatever it is that love is requiring you to sacrifice, if God is leading you to make that sacrifice, I guarantee you, that what you gain is going to be greater and that it's going to be worth it if you're willing to make that sacrifice. So what does God teach us? He teaches us that love is selfless. He teaches us that love is sacrificial. And there's one more aspect of love that I want to look at um, from Paul um, that he talks about in in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. And in, in verse 7, he said this, Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. In other words, love is strong-willed. And if you want to write that down, that's your next fill-in. Love is strong-willed. And Jesus also taught his, his followers about this idea that love is strong-willed. Um, it, again, in Matthew 5, in verse 41, he said, If anyone forces you to go one mile, he said, go with them too. You know, we live in a society that just teaches people to give up too quickly, right? I mean, oh, you know, your husband, he doesn't give you that same feeling he did when you were dating. Nah, leave him, you know. Oh, your friend, oh, she lied to you, really? Like, you don't need her. Ditch her, find somebody else. You know, oh, your neighbor, you invited them to church and they said no? Don't waste any more time on him. Just, just give up on him. But no, Jesus says don't go one mile with people, go two. Take the journey with them, show them that you love them, and that you're not going to give up on them. I, uh, I remember a time when I really wanted to give up on somebody. Um, I used to be a, a math teacher, a high school math teacher, and I had this one student um, who I will never forget his name. And if you're a teacher, you know what that means. It means that I said his name over and over and over every single day because he was always getting in trouble. 
And um, so we'll just call him Simon. That's not his real name, but I'm not saying very nice things about him, so I don't want to say his real name. So we'll call him Simon. And um, he just knew how to get under my skin. Like, he would talk constantly during class. He never did his homework. He was always failing. He, um, he would cuss at me. He'd steal stuff from me. He'd, like, try to rally the class against me. I mean, it was always having to send him to the principal's office. But I knew that any kid that acted that way probably did not have the best home life. He probably didn't have people um, in his corner that said, I'm not going to give up on him. I'm going to go the extra mile with him. So I decided that I was going to be that person, that I wasn't going to give up on him. Well, um, eventually he failed my class because he never did his homework, never studied for his test. Um, So he had to take the class again on, like, a computer by himself. And um, so I uh, decided that every day... I was going to give up my lunch, and I was going to work with him. I was going to tutor him and help him study for his test and, um, and do whatever I could um, to help him pass the class. And um, the whole time thinking, he really doesn't deserve this. <laughs> Think of all those times he cussed at me and all those things. And, you know, he, I'm sure he doesn't appreciate it at all that I'm doing this for him. Well, a few months later, it was uh, near the end of the school year, He walks into my class at the end of the day, and he says something to me that I never thought that I would hear him say. He said, "Uh, Mrs. Goblin, just want you to know, I passed my class, and I'm going to graduate. And he said, I never could have done it without you, and I just want you to know that I really do appreciate everything that you've done for me. And uh, if you work with children, like, those are the days you live for, is when a student says something like that to you. Um, and so, you know, it was hard. There were days that I wanted to throw in the towel, and I didn't want to put the time in with him. But it was worth it for me to not give up on him and to go the extra mile. It was more than worth it. And I'm so glad that I, that I stuck with it through him. So, who do you need to go the extra mile with? Maybe, uh, maybe you have a friend who has let you down over and over and over, and yet you still continue to put the time in with her. Um, maybe it's that jerk at work that you've been inviting to church, but you really just would rather punch him in the face. Like, it's just not even worth your time. Uh, but you keep inviting him to church. doesn't come, but you invite him. Um, maybe, it's a, maybe it's a child that has hurt you, lied to you. And you just, you're ready to give up on. You've just kind of lost hope. But, but you need to go that extra mile with them. And when those times come and you want to give up, remember what Paul says. He said, love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful, and it endures through every circumstance. So, what can Paul and Jesus teach us about love? That love gives, that love is selfless, that love is sacrificial, and that love is strong-willed. But what do we do about it, right? Like, how can we love differently every day? How can we put this into practice in our lives? So I want to give you just, just one challenge, one encouragement of what you can do, and that is to ask a question. And this question is in your program, if you want to um, pull that out. And it's this. What can I give to make fill-in-the-blanks life better today? And I want you to wake up every day with that question on your mind and apply it to every person that you come in contact with. So just think about how your life might be different if you woke up every day and said, what can I give to make my life's, uh, my wife's life better today? What can I give to make my kids' life better? What can I give to make my boss's life better or my neighbor's life better or my waitress's life better 
or my dad's life better, or whoever it might be. What can I sacrifice to make their life better? And, and maybe it's your kindness or your patience, or maybe you just need to give somebody some love or some joy. But ask that question every day about every person and follow in the footsteps of Jesus and how he would love. I want to give you another, um, just a really simple way that you can um, show love and sacrifice to somebody you may not even know. Um, And that is with this card right here uh, that's in your program. And this is called a free card. And so what you can do is take this card and you can give to make someone's life better. Maybe pay for somebody's dinner or pump their gas or babysit for their kids or something like that. And just give them this card that just says, God loves you. No strings attached. And let's, let's show our society, let's show our community that love doesn't take, that love gives. And there's going to be times when you're doing this, when you're giving, when you're sacrificing, that you feel like you've given too much and you're feeling empty and you're feeling drained. And so when that happens, don't go around sucking everybody around you dry. Go to the source who is Jesus and allow him to fill you up. And uh, I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. So um, in just a few minutes, I'm going to um, pray uh, a prayer for you. And Derek's going to sing a song. And I want you to just take it in. I want you to just take it in and allow God to fill you up today. And so um, whatever posture uh, you need to do to be able to receive from God, so maybe it's closing your eyes or looking up to heaven or um, lifting your hands, whatever you need to do, Um, Just go ahead and do that, and and I'm going to pray for you, and then Derek's going to lead you in a song. So let's pray. Dear Jesus, um, I want to pray right now for every single person um, that's sitting here today. I pray that you would fill them up, Lord, um, until they're overflowing so much that they can pour out onto every person around them. Um, I pray that you would literally... um, fill every single inch of their heart and their mind, and they would just fill you, feel you filling them up um, with your love. I pray today that you would renew their strength, Lord, that they can give love to every single person that they come in contact with. Fill them fully, fill them completely with your spirit from head to toe. today about giving love to to people and sacrificing for people, Um, but what about God? You know, what can we give to God? What can we give to the one who loved us so much that he gave everything for us? Well, there's really only one thing that he wants from you. He wants you to give control of your life over to him. He wants you to let him take the reins because he knows what's best for you. He wants a relationship with you so you can be filled like that every single day. He wants your heart. And so if today you're like, you know what? He gave his life for me. He gave everything. I'm willing to give myself to him. I'm willing to give him control and turn my life over to him. I'm willing to sacrifice that for him. Then I'm going to pray a prayer here in a minute. And I want you to just repeat that prayer after me. But I want it to be your prayer that you pray for your heart. And and I'm going to ask everybody if you would all just kind of join in this prayer together so that no one feels like they're praying alone. We'll just pray this together. So if you would repeat this after me. Dear God, thank you for loving me enough to give your life for me. Thank you for never giving up on me. 
please forgive me for everything I've done wrong. Today, I commit my life to you. Take over. I love you. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer this morning, first of all, we just want to celebrate with you and we want to congratulate you and welcome you to the family. And also, back in the corner, um, Scotty's back there in the corner there by the purple light. If you'd like to go back there, she's she'd love to talk to you a little bit more about what that means and maybe pray with you if that's what you need. So stop back by there on the way after service. As Emily mentioned earlier, we have the Connect card. That's not the Connect card. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't bring it up here with me, but that's the Connect card. Um, so if you could fill that out, uh, we don't want to chase you down or show up at your house or anything like that. But uh, it's more just to kind of get to know you a little bit better. And there's also, if you did accept Christ today, there's a box on the back of that card that we would like for you to check. So we can just check up on you and, and see how you're doing. There's also a list there for prayer requests. So if you could fill that out, those do stay confidential, but we'd like to pray with you for any needs that you have going on. Uh, if you don't want to fill out the card, we also have a app. You can go on there and you can fill out um, the prayer request there, fill out the Connect card. You can also uh, check out videos, all kinds of different things you can do on our app as well. And this morning, we would like to invite the greeters to come up. Um, here at the JAR, we don't want you... You know, if this is your first time here, we don't want your money. But if you are a uh, someone that, you know, comes frequently, we'd love for you to give back to God and give back to the church and uh, just show him your appreciation for all of the blessings and the things that he's done for you. Let's pray. God, I just ask you that you bless this offering today. Bless those who give freely to you. We thank you for all that you've given to us, and we pray that you use the money given to love on our community and for those that uh, we need to bring to you. We ask that you bless that money and just be with us throughout the rest of this week. In your name we pray. Amen. We have a guest connections table. If uh, this is your first time with us today over there in the corner, Rosanna's waving. She'd love for you to stop by and say hello and get a free gift. So stop by there. Maybe if, if today isn't your first day, maybe you've been coming for a couple of weeks to try to fill it out and you haven't stopped by there, uh, make sure you do that today as well on your way out. Well, whether you are an expert at golf or you're like me and you know nothing, absolutely nothing about it, to watch me swing a golf club is quite hilarious, actually. Um, <laughs> we would love for you to still be a part of our best ball golf scramble. And there is a con uh, card in your uh, program this morning. If you're interested in that, that's going to be happening May 19th at Crestview Golf Course. And the great thing about it is, is that it is going to be benefiting um, our Jamaican missions trip. And if you'd maybe like to get a little bit more information about that, we've got a table back there that you can stop by. Uh, registration is $50 per person. Now, if you show up by yourself, we can put you on a team, or you can sign up as a team, and that is $200 per foursome. And you can get registered online at thejar.org backslash golf. And all of that on information is also on that insert. And the back of the card is also a registration form. So make sure you do that and mark your calendars for uh, May 19th. If you do uh, pay the $50 per player, that does include a meal and a drink. So 
that, uh, that is part of that as well. Also coming up, we're going to be starting a new series next week, and it's all about prayer. Uh, so you don't want to miss out on that because I think a lot of times a lot of us think we know what we know about prayer, and we could probably still learn quite a bit. So make sure you uh, stop by or come to church that morning, and we want you to invite your friends, your coworkers, and just fill this place up. Do what you can to, to fill up the jar. And you can also go to our Facebook page and share more about the new series that's coming up. Well, I'd like to invite our prayer team up as well. Uh, if you need prayer for anything after the celebration, please stop up and speak with one of those folks, and they would be more than happy to pray with you this morning. All right. Well, uh, remember this week that love gives, and I encourage you to use that free card and, and reach out to somebody. And um, if you accepted Christ today, just a reminder to head back to the table back there with Scotty. And um, also, if you have a few minutes that you could stick around and help us tear down, that would be a huge help. Um, And yeah, we just hope you have a, a great Sunday and know that you are loved in this place.